Welcome to the Police and Fire Law Podcast. My name is Tom Raja. I am an attorney serving and protecting those that serve and protect us. I will be discussing issues affecting police and firefighters. Please remember that the information I discuss here is for informational purposes only and you should not rely upon it for specific legal advice. Welcome to episode two, responsibilities of board members and the applicant after a disability application is filed. This is a continuation of episode one where we talked about the basic disability process. Now I'm going to get into more of the different responsibilities that both the applicant have as well as the board when it comes to adjudicating the disability application. I'm going to jump right into it here and start with the applicant's responsibilities when it comes to a disability claim. So first, the applicant has to fill out completely the application, which requires you to also disclose all treatment that was rendered for the particular injury. Uh, That includes doctors, physical therapy, vocational rehabilitation, chiropractic, wherever you've gotten treatment, you have to list that in your disability application. And once you've done both of those things from the applicant's perspective, you then sit and wait for the board to send you to three medical examinations selected by the board. And your responsibility at those examinations are to be truthful. You know, don't exaggerate your conditions. Uh, simply answer the questions asked by the physicians during the evaluation and be honest and truthful with that physician as to the condition, how it occurred, and the symptoms you're experiencing as a result of the injury. Now, the applicant always has the burden of proof by a preponderance of the evidence. So at that point, it's your responsibility to make sure you have enough evidence in the record to prove that you have sustained a disability and that that disability is work-related, assuming it's a line-of-duty injury claim. Then after you submit your proof, you also have to answer questions submitted by the board at the final hearing. So whatever the board members may have or its attorney, You're responsible to answer those questions so that the board, as the fact finder, can render an adequate decision, and hopefully it's in support of whatever claim you're submitting to the board. Now, as far as the proof elements that you'd want to submit to the board, there's a number of things the board will rely upon in making a determination. One, are medical reports. Two, you could submit findings by the municipality on the PETA or workers' compensation if those are favorable to you. Uh, In other words, the Public Employee Disability Act, that's that 100% of your salary for up to a year subsequent to the injury. If that's been approved by the municipality, that's certainly a piece of evidence to demonstrate that you've had a work-related injury. Same thing with workers' compensation. If you've had a settlement or the employer has approved all reasonable and necessary care and paid for all bills, that's also a piece of evidence that your claim has been considered compensatory, at least by the employer. Uh, You'd also want to make sure that you have submitted accident reports. Other evidence could be witness statements of maybe a police or firefighter that's seen how your injury occurred. And then finally, you'll have the testimony of the applicant himself or herself uh, indicating how the injury occurred, what what the symptoms you may be experiencing, and why you can't continue to perform full unrestricted duties for the employer. So that sums up what the applicant's responsibilities are. And I'm going to move on to what the pension board responsibilities are during the disability claim process. So first and foremost, the board uh, 
is responsible to gather all the documents from the providers that are listed by the applicant in his application. The board is more or less the keeper of the records and has to keep an administrative record for everything they do with respect to the disability claim. After gathering all the records, then the board has to select three physicians to evaluate the applicant for his disability claim. So if it's a psychological claim, you want to find psychiatrists or psychologists that are familiar with the particular disability. And then same thing with if it's an orthopedic injury, you obviously want to find orthopedic doctors that can evaluate that particular injury. It is ultimately the board's responsibility to schedule those examinations, pay for the examinations, and ensure that the correct doctors are picked to conduct the evaluations. That can be done in one of many ways. The board can select an outside third-party company that can select the doctors for them. They can rely upon their attorney to select the physicians, or they can select the physicians themselves. There's really no right or wrong answer to that. It's really the board preference. So after the three IME reports come back and the board's ready to have a hearing, it's at that point the board has to ensure that the hearing comports with due process. And Illinois courts have said that administrative hearings are quasi-judicial proceedings and they must uh, comply with due process. So. Uh, what does that mean from a pension board perspective? Well, it's really there's two aspects of due process, substantive due process and procedural due process. So from a procedural due process perspective, you want to give notice and opportunity to the applicant that's coming before your board that you're going to hear the claim and that the applicant has the right to be represented by counsel and to present evidence to the board. As far as substantive due process, you have to ensure that your hearing remains fair and impartial to the applicant. So if there's any bias on the board, uh, one of the members has past dealings on another issue in front of another forum, uh, and that may somehow taint the proceedings, well then the particular board member should look at possibly recusing themselves or not participating in the hearing so as to not affect the due process or the fair and impartial nature of the hearing for the applicant. At the hearing of the matter, it's the board that acts as the finder's effect. The case law in Illinois says that these hearings should be nonpartisan, uh, so not an adversarial proceeding, and the board members act as more or less the members of the jury, and they're the fact finders. Illinois courts have held that the trustees on the pension board have personal knowledge of the particular physical and emotional demands of the job. And therefore, they're in the best position to determine you know, on the basis of medical data and facts that are presented uh, what the actual duties are and whether the officer or firefighter can perform those duties. The Board of Trustees also have a responsibility to assess the credibility of the applicant in any of the evidence that has come before it and determine what weight they want to provide to certain evidence. You know, is it one report over another? They believe one witness's testimony over another witness's testimony. That's all within the province of the pension board as the finders of fact. So it's really incumbent upon them to ask relevant questions and to get to the bottom of any issues that they may have at the time of the hearing of the case. Finally, the board will issue a written decision in order that should contain all of their findings of fact and its findings on any particular legal issues. 
That written decision then will be the final and appealable decision in which the applicant, if he disagrees with the decision, can take up on administrative review to the circuit court of that particular jurisdiction. Thank you for listening to the Police and Fire Law Podcast. Please subscribe to hear more episodes. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Police and Fire Law. Or finally, you could visit us at our website, policefirelaw.com. I've been Tom Raja, hoping all of you stay safe out there.